0: Hello everyone. Um, my name is Scotty, uh, I, uh, I lead this motley crew, um, and uh, it is great to have you all here tonight. Um, this is what we would maybe, if we were a different kind of church, call Vision Sunday. Um, but, um, but tonight we're going to be like a little bit more relaxed than that. Um, I want to share a bit of who we are tonight, and I want to share a bit of our story, and a bit of where we are going, um, and I almost feel like if you wanted to know her blueprint, Um, is, then we could have just ended the service after Susie shared just then, Um, because something I feel so proud of and so deeply moved by in this community is that this is a place where it is safe to suffer, and unfortunately the church has not always been a place where it is safe to suffer. And it's also a a place where it's safe to be joyful, and it's safe to claim the promises of God in the future, but sometimes, you know, when you read the Psalms, you see that there was a big time down at the dumps before God came through. Um, and Jessie just said to me before I got up here that when we were praying, she said, God is saying don't hold back the weird. Um, so if we're a little bit weird tonight, um, that's, that's who we are. Um, and, um, and we're not playing a numbers game. And if you're new here tonight and you find us a bit too weird, then please, by all means, roll on anywhere. There are a multitude <laughs> of churches within even a hundred metre radius. <laughs> And they will be very happy to have you and probably do people care better than we do. So just go for it if you need to. But if, if a story like Susie's grips your heart, and if being here and hearing people talk about how it really is, um, and if something tonight speaks to you, then we would love to have you come join us. And for those of you who are here tonight and have been here a lot, then I'm going to tread back over some very, very familiar turf. Um, But I remember a few years ago when I used to run this youth centre called Zeal, and we started this meal on a Friday night, and the idea was that this meal would mostly be us eating with some young people, but before it, we would do a little thing about faith, and we would give them the option. I'd say to them, "Uh, now, we're about to have a conversation about faith. If you want to step out for a couple of minutes because you feel uncomfortable, go for it. Step out, and you can come back in and eat with us. That's fine. But if you want to stay, we're going to talk about Jesus and so this thing that started originally being called The Meal, um, the kids renamed The Jesus Meal, um, within, um, within a few weeks, and, uh, and it got to that point where every time at the start of this thing, I would say that same phrase every time, and I don't know, zeal still probably says something like it. Do they still say it? Like, like, we're about to talk about faith, and if you don't want to hear about it, that's fine, you can step out. And every time I'd say it, all the kids would go, ugh, like, really, we get it. And I kind of feel like for some of you guys here tonight, it may feel a little bit like that with some of the first third of this. that you'll be like, yeah, we get it. But part of being a community is knowing our story and knowing who we are. And sometimes you've got to flog that story like a dead horse (laughs) until we all remember who we are. So I'm going to share a little bit of that, um, hopefully just the first part. Um, And if you want to know who Blueprint is, I was thinking, thinking, what are we like? And uh, I don't know if any of you guys ever played backyard cricket um, when you were younger, any backyard cricket? Uh, Aficionados players, my brother was 10 years older than me, total legend, he used to spray paint creases out onto our yard as well. Um, But uh, backyard cricket, and there was always this rule whenever you were playing backyard cricket which was six and out if it's over the fence. So don't hit it over the fence. Like, and the subtext being you're a dick if you hit it over the fence. We're all going to have to go and get the ball, the game has to stop, don't be a loser. But there was some part inside of me, and I don't know if anyone else is like this, that just always wanted to clear the fence. Even though I knew that I would be out at that point and I'd just have to wait, just sulking for like the next hour to get another bat, that I'd just have to, that one would come in and bang, you know, and for a moment you were Lance Cairns, you know, <laughs> hitting at 10 metres of the far boundary into the Stevens yard. And I kind of feel like Blueprint is a little bit like that in the church, where everyone's <laughs> like, don't do that. Don't do that. That's really annoying. Do not just <laughs> don't do that. Please. No, please do not write a letter of apology to the LGBTIQA community. That's a real hassle for all of us. And we go, on oh, ya. Yeah. You know, or please, oh, do not get excited and swear in your sermons sometimes. I see a challenge here. And off it goes again. And this is kind of like, I think a little bit of kind of who we are but you know the thing that would often happen is when i hit that ball over the fence is, is it was always scary in the neighbor's yard i don't know if anyone else ever felt that but going to the neighbor's yard felt scary because we live in this kind of western society where yours is yours and mine is mine and to kind of step into their yard like to go in without permission is like i thought i could go to prison at five seconds right <laughs> And so you go into this yard to get the ball and you're like kind of like slightly freaking out but also looking at all this stuff and going, oh, there's another world over here. Like they have a greenhouse. We don't have one of those. And, and so you go over there and I remember one day I went over to get the cricket ball and I bumped into Brett and Grant Stevens who were these young guys I didn't know who were a similar age and then they came over and started playing cricket and then that began this whole kind of community in our neighbourhood of young people who would get together and play cricket. And I feel there's something in Blueprint that we kind of sometimes lose this. And we clear the boundary and we do these things we shouldn't be doing. But what it ends up with is us being in these places of community where we draw together people who would never be together again. And I just love that about this community. I love that about us. That, you know, screw the rules. And so I want to talk today a little bit about, about who we are. And back in the day, who we were, the reputation we had in Wellington... Uh, the phrase you'd often hear was "Blueprint is the dirty church," <laughs> which I felt like secretly proud of. <laughs> I, I thought that was awesome. <clears throat> but the reason they called us the dirty church is because week to week things were out of control, like absolutely out of control. I remember this one service we had, where, where back then we used to meet where uh, the Rogan Vagabond Bar is now, and I remember this guy walks onto the park during our service. And he's like fully clad in black, like trench coat and everything. And then he pulls out this massive machete. And he's like just outside our doors. I'm like, what is going on here? And he kind of looks at me through the glass. And I almost shat myself. And and he starts like running this machete through the park, through the grass. I'm like, what is going on here? And then I realise this dude is carving a pentagram into the grass while he looks at me. Like carving this pentagram out. And I'm like, that's weird, but I don't think he's going to come over here. And then he pulls out a petrol can <laughs> and he starts pouring petrol on this pentagram. I'm like, this is the weirdest thing ever. So I think we called the cops in the end because we're like, people should not roll around town with machetes and petrol cans. <laughs> um, but, um, but then we have these other weird nights. Like I remember us going to lock up one night and we just turned off all the lights and set the alarm. And then we heard this groaning coming from the bathroom. And a couple of our zeal kids had kind of snuck in there after the service. And we sort of had to walk in there and go, this is actually a sanctuary of the Lord. Sorry, guys. we need to take that somewhere else. And a all this was kind of our week-to-week. And even though I think we've possibly got a little bit tidier and a little more well-groomed these days, I feel like, well, we're not having sex in the bathrooms, but I feel like there is something of that rugged mongrel spirit in this place that just needs to clear the flippant fence. And who cares? Um, and so I want to invite you tonight to hear about our duty Church. Yeah. And if you're a part of the duty Church, then I want to tell you where I think God is calling us to go tonight. Is that all good? Yeah. Yes, cool. All right. If you need to leave, fine. I'll just <laughs> berate you on the way up. That's it how we've done it historically around here. Go on, you fake Christians. <laughs> All right, so here we go. I want to start with this key part of who we are. 1 Samuel 22, 1-2. There's a guy in the scriptures called David. David is often the man, often the loser. And David gets into the situation where God has spoken over him that he will be the king of Israel. And he thinks that it's all going to come up quick, but what happens is the current king gets on this mission to kill him. He's like, this guy needs to be taken down. So basically for the first few years he should be king. David just runs through the wilderness trying not to get killed. And he arrives in this cave called the Cave of Medoam, and he hides in there for his life. And as he's there, all these people from the edges of society, the thieves, the robbers, the escaped prisoners, all of them come along and start to come into this cave with him. And gradually builds around them this whole Motley crew, this ridiculous collection of people who are not the company of a king. And what it says is that he drew to him the discontent, the indebted, and the distressed. You know, Jesus said, the world don't need a doctor. Jesus came for the discontent, the indebted, and the distressed. And we believe that at the core of our being here. That if you're a part of this community, this community is not for people who have all their shit together. That is not who we want to be. There's plenty of places you can go and play nice Christian. But this is a place for the sick. And as as Susie shared before, if you come along here carrying a wound, carrying pain, carrying mental health distress, whatever you bring along with you, then this is a place for you. This is a place you can be. But you know, the great thing about 1 Samuel 22, 1 and 2 is that after that, it doesn't end there. David spends some time in this cave with these people and it says in time they became the mighty men of valour and they became this incredible, restored, redeemed group of people who became David's closest army and friends. And so the idea is you can come here as you are, please come here as you are, but we want this to be a place of healing and restoration where people go from the indebted, the distressed and the discontent to being the mighty women and men of valour. And the second picture we use to talk about this is the metaphor of the harakiki, which is the Maori word for the flax plant. And there are three parts to the harakiki. On the inside you have this part called the rito. And the rito is the delicate inner shoots. And it's like this kind of bulb that sits in the middle. People have seen a harakiki plant before? And so the idea is that these vulnerable shoots in here are to be protected at all costs. And so just outside of them you have the afirito and the afirito have once been vulnerable but they grow out to support that vulnerable inner a bowl. And then one further out you have the tūpuna, and these are the flax leaves which are sacrificed to the wind, to the rain, to the elements, to the edges. And we see this as a picture of how our community will look. That there are people here who are those vulnerable, delicate, inner shoots. And we want you to know this is a place for you, the indebted, the distressed, the discontent. But if you've been there for a while and you have a measure of healing, then we want you to be the athi We want you to be there to hold the vulnerable. From knowing your own and from knowing what it's like to be there, we want you to hold those who are hurting. But where we want everyone to go in this community is on a journey where they become the restored and the redeemed. You become the 2 You sacrifice your life for the cause of the kingdom. You lay yourself down to the wind and elements of this evil empire to bring about the kingdom of God. That is what we want for every person here. So those are two metaphors and pictures that have held us along the way. and We have three kind of ways of doing these which are close to our heart. And the first of these, oh, oh, here we go, oh, there we go. The first of these is our community gatherings, and that's what you're experiencing right now. This is what you're a part of. And we believe that church does not happen one day a week, that following Jesus does not happen one day a week, but that actually most of it happens the other six days of the week. And so we're not going to try and make this meeting entertaining or satisfying for you. We believe that tonight will only be as good as the stories of following Jesus that we lived during the week. And so if none of us have lived the kingdom reality, if none of us have lived the gospel that week, then we will all sit here and be bored. And we will sit within the discomfort of that boredom, knowing that we're not being the people that God called us to be. And so this is a place for us to share our stories, to share our songs, to share our meals, and to remind one another who we are as the people of God. This is not the centre of our Christian experience. The second thing is, is chapters, which are groups of people called to a people or a place. Some of you will recognise these if you've read books under the kind of name of Intentional Communities. And so we have four groups of people who have made a deep commitment to a group of people or a neighbourhood they feel called to. And so some of these, one of the ones some of you might know already is one called the Wellington Free Store. And the Wellington Free Store is a converted shipping container where they go around each afternoon collecting surplus food from Wellington cafes. And I think in the last year they gave out over for 100,000 items of surplus food to people in Wellington who needed it. Um, so, this is, that's a really easy one for everyone to get on board and volunteer for. Um, other groups of people we have, we have a group of us on Cuba Street, two houses, one on Abel Smith, one on Cuba, that is being there for the lost and the lonely in this city. There's a crew out at Lyle Bay who, who are reinvigorating and replanting a dead Anglican church out there at the moment. And there's another crew out in Petone, just out in the hut, who, are, um, who run a community centre there. And these are people who have a deep sense of commitment to their neighbourhood. And this is not the only way to do mission, but this is one way that our community does mission. And we'd encourage you to come and have dinner with any of us. And have a third of these as companions, we do not believe that you can do faith alone. I don't buy it. Anyone who says that they're doing their own Jesus journey, I don't buy it. You have to be in community with others. You must and so we believe in deep walking together where you can ask each other the hard questions, where you can talk to the taboos, where you can talk about the things you're not supposed to say. And our hope would be that everyone in this community comes into relationships like that where people will call you on your ship. That's the kind of place we hope to be. And so here's where we're going. In Blueprint, we are past the same old story. Give yourselves a pat on the back. <laughs> We've been um, for a while, our leadership and um, Anna and I have really been on our knees praying about what it is that um, God is saying to us about our community this year. Um, This is not a perfect community, Uh, this is not a perfect church, and so we need God to show us where the gaps are. Um, And so, as we began to pray, we started to to get some, some pictures, and then we got together with the leadership over a few meetings and we prayed, God, what are you saying to us for next year? And we started to get this, um, this verse come out over and over again from Psalm 1-3, which says, A tree, um, you will be like a tree planted beside waters, which will yield fruit in its season. And this phrase came out of that, this idea of as above, so below. This idea of how it looks on the outside should be how it looks on the inside. How it looks in the deepest parts of our faith should be how it looks in our neighbourhood. And those two things should represent each other. They should be in equilibrium with one another. And so I want to show you, here's a, a picture of how this might look, uh, might look. Up the top, you have the canopy, and Matthew 13, 31, 32 talks about this picture of the kingdom of God being like a mustard seed, this tiny thing that nobody sees that eventually grows into this massive tree, and then it says the birds of the air and animals came to shelter in its canopy or in its, in its bushes. And I think for many of us in this community, people like um, who serve at the free store or maybe in your workplaces, you have been a canopy of shelter for people who are struggling and suffering. Over and over and over again, there are people in this community who give your lives for those at the edges of society, who give your lives for those who are lonely and those who don't know love. And that is a beautiful thing, and I think our community does this incredibly at times. And then you have the roots, Psalm 1-3, again that passage, you'll be like a tree planted beside waters that yields its fruit in season. And I think this is a challenge to all of us, because you tend to lean one of two ways in your faith. Some of us lean towards activism, and some of us lean towards contemplation, And few of us, at least at this age, do both. And so I think the call of God to us this year is for those of us who have been relentlessly committed in our activism, is to make sure that the roots go as wide and as deep in God as the actions we do on the surface. But equally, there may be some of you in this room who have spent a great deal of time in the quiet place with God. And you know His voice and you know Him well but we are blessed to bless others. We are healed to bring healing to others. We are reconciled to be agents of reconciliation. We are bought peace to be peacemakers. And so this is really the call to our community this year is wherever you need to go on that journey is where we want you to go this year. We wanna provide you ways to journey down if you need to journey down, to journey out if you need to journey out. God calls us to be a people who shelter the suffering in our city and who do this from a deep place of faith in God. That's who we want to be. So the challenge is for our activists to become people of prayer, for our prayers, prayers, for our prayers to become people of action. And so before I kind of move to the final part of this, um, Why don't we just close our eyes for a couple of minutes and just sit in the stillness with that. Holy Spirit, I pray you would come to each of us now and show us what we lack. Show us where the roots are shallow. Show us where we've gone deep in you, but the fruit is not there to show for it. Lord, gently come to us now. Bring the conviction we need to change. (laughs) Ha <laughs> I want to move to some final stuff, which is quite practical um, to to our community to think about. In the early church, when we talk about the early church, we tend to get really, really excited about moments like Pentecost. We're like, "Oh my gosh! Three thousand people came to faith on one day. Isn't that amazing?" Or if we're not just excited about that, we get excited about Acts 2, that little bit at the end where it says they shared everything, they had everything in common. We're like, wow, the early church was just perfect. But as you kind of move on through Acts and the epistles, you see that it was a litany of stuff ups. (laughs) Like they go a little down the track from this, and then they have a disagreement about what food they can eat, and then they have a disagreement about circumcision. And then I think another disagreement about circumcision. And then they have disagreements about whether there'll be Gentiles in the church. And then at one point, Paul and Barnabas, who both total legions, have such a bad fight they just part ways. And then you go further down the church into the epistles, and people are sleeping with their mother in laws and getting drunk on communion wine. Like it is absolute chaos. And what I want to say today is I think we have dreamed many times of being like the early church. And I think in many ways we are the whole picture. (laughs) Where there are a bunch of things I think that would try to come in at this moment. And let us believe that our disagreements are bigger than our unity in Jesus. Or let us believe that issues that will be gone in 10 or 20 years are enough to fracture over. But I actually believe that a church that has endured over 2000 years can endure a moment of social change. And so there are some challenges in our church at the moment, which I want to speak to really openly. And maybe this for those of you visiting, you'll go, oh, here's the cracks, if you haven't seen them already. (laughs) And these are some of the things I think we're wrestling with as we go forward this year. And I just want to put them on the table. So that these no longer become a thing which your church leadership needs to wrestle with, but they become something we carry together. Does that sound cool? So the first of those, I think we're in growing pains at the moment. So a couple of years ago, there were 40 of us. Now there's a hundred of us. And what we used to love doing when there was 40 of us is just being totally organic, man. <laughs> and just letting everything flow, and it didn't matter because there were actually only like 10 people at the service, <laughs> so it wasn't hard to know everybody. But I just want to name the thing, which is that now that there's quite a few of us, sometimes we're missing things at the moment, and sometimes the things that come up for people, we don't see. And there's a bunch of, um, a bunch of racking our brains and talking that's going on around our leadership at the moment, and a bunch of praying on our needs for for, for where the next steps are in that. But I just want to name that thing, and I want to say that if you are someone who in our growing pains has been overlooked or has walked into this place and felt that you could walk out again and no one would know, I just want to say we are sorry. Um, I believe that, that it is God who has brought up about the growth that we've seen over the last couple of years. Um, I know that the culture of this place changed too quickly for it to be incredible leadership. <laughs> that God didn't move here, but we are in some of the pains of that. And so one of the things that we need to look at this year and one of the big changes that you'll see coming through in the next couple of months is we actually need to look at not having a pastoral organism but a pastoral structure um, so that those people who um, have slipped through the cracks or have not been cared for the way they should have by this community start to get the support they need. Um, And so I'm not giving you an answer to that right now, but some of the things we're looking at at the moment is do we actually need... Um, another, um, another leader for this church who isn't um, a pioneer but who, whose, whose eyes are firstly on the care and on the people in this community. So I just want to put that out there for you guys. that This is a big thing and can I invite you with all these things to pray with us? To pray that we find a way through um, because I actually think we're where we're meant to be but it's just a little bit hard at the moment. The second thing, discipleship. We are a generation that sucks at reading scripture and prayer. Like, in general. Like, you look at the stuff, basically, millennials do not pray, and they are biblically illiterate. And we are a little bit of a picture of that at times. Like, if we're really honest. And so, in the next little while, we've got some stuff coming up. Some of you will have already been in 3 DN groups, which is discipleship groups that we have been pioneering here. I think there's about 15 or 20 people in those, and we're going to be rolling those out wider, um, and I'll talk about those more next week. Um, But one thing that we are going to do on Thursday nights here, some of you will have been around a while ago when we had our Thursday night blueprint prayer meetings, which were a really beautiful moment in the history of this community, and I think really prayed in who we are now. So we are going to start those every Thursday from 6 to 7.30 here again. Um, to come and intercede for our community. But what we're actually going to do is go fortnightly, and in the week in between, we're going to invite some scripture ninjas to come in here um, and to to teach us how to read the scriptures better and to not be illiterate millennials. Cool. So just to put that stuff before you, I think this is going to be really, really awesome, particularly um, for me. We've had a number of... uh, My heart breaks for the number of people who have come to faith in this place over the last year, and there hasn't yet been some of the stuff that was needed for you guys to journey forward and to grow strong and deep in your faith. And so I really hope that some of you guys will take up those opportunities. Hamish is going to be um, heading those up and I think it's going to be awesome. Hamish is sitting on the stool with the back there. Um, And then um, those prayer meetings, um, uh, Lindley and Alicia are going to be holding those down and they are really, really gifted intercessors. Um, And I think it's going to be like a really amazing time. So 6 to 7.30 Thursdays, we'd love to have you there. Um, And then the third thing um, Resource Now if you've never been here before We like to never talk about money But here goes Um, um, We do have a resource gap here at the moment For where we need to go to care well And to disciple well this community And to look after our wider community At the moment there's about 25 hours a week Of employed people for this place Um, And basically I worked that out There's like 100 of us So it's pretty much like 15 minutes a person (laughs) Which like like kind of makes sense that we, we have some gaps when um, when you see that. Um and so for all we ever ask here is to give what you believe God is asking you to give. And to be honest, like whether that's fifty cents or whether that's twenty dollars a week, whatever it is, that is between you and God, I don't look at it, our administrator does, and so if you think you're getting better treatment because you put five hundred dollars in, you're not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um and so if you are someone who calls this place home, um, then it would be really helpful if you could go to blueprintchurchcom giving, and there's a, a, um, some info there. Also, if you are someone here who is, is in the financial dumps, please do not give. Like, we do not want to, like, we do not want to drive you further into debt to give to this church. Um, I'm a real believer, you know, that, that Acts 2 at the end of that, where it says they gave everything they had and no one was in want. That means that some of us are not going to have enough, And we're going to top up the ones who don't have enough with the ones who have plenty. And that's what we do every time camp comes around or something like that, that people come to me and say, I can't afford it, and someone else pays for them. So so wherever you are, it's not going to change your acceptance in this community. I don't know if God cares that much, but (laughs) if you do call this place home and you're in a place to give, it really helps us if you do. Cool? So that's our... Our practical stuff and I think that's the end of the slideshow. Um, in a moment um, we are going to um, we're going to pray and, and worship um, and during that time I know you've probably got business to do with God but I'll also ask that you would intercede for our community um, that if this is home for you then then you would you would pray for us because I believe that God is doing something special among us. Um, But I believe the moment that his hand comes off it, it stops happening and it stops being special. Um, So please, like in in your worship, lay down some prayers for this community. And if you hear God say something, um, please come and tell us, we'd love to know. But if you are here for the first time, and this has just been a very, probably quite unexpected evening for you, Um, Then we also just invite you to just chill with us, to meet with God, um, to enjoy a a time with our community. Um, If there is anyone here tonight who has not met Jesus before or um, would like to meet closely with him, we have a little cross at the back corner there. You can go and kneel in front of if you would like healing, if you would like prayer, if there's stuff going on in your life, please take a kneel over there and we will come and pray for you. Um, And then the... The final thing I would say um, is that it would be absolutely gosh darn lovely if some of you would join us for dinner tonight. Um, we head out to a little Malaysian place afterwards, um, and if you're here for the first time, um, the, uh, the rich ones will pay for the students. <laughs> no, seriously, we'll show you dinner. Um, so um, how about we close our eyes, stand, and we'll pray.